Well, John, I did a piece on Wes Phillips recently, had a nice chat with him and uh, reminded him that, uh, man, Wade Phillips has always been one of the go-to people in the NFL to talk to. Just one of those people who loves talking football, loves talking about the history of the game and anything that's going on. And Wes has a lot of that in him. Uh, it, it feels like when I've been out there, and you and I talked about this off the air as well, it does feel like the coaching staff in general is making a pretty good first impression uh, with players and with the people around the team. Yeah, I think so. I've talked to a bunch of people, you know, kind of inside the organization and, and around the team, um, really since these kind of OTAs and these uh, the rookie mini camps and things have, have gotten going. And, you know, yeah, it's the honeymoon period. There's, you know, there's always kind of like this freshness that starts with a, with a new regime. And so you got to take that into account. But I do think that it's, it is genuine in terms of the way that Kevin O'Connell and his staff have been able to come in, get to work, and really establish a new environment around the team. I think players are really responding to it. I think that people around the, um, the building are noticing a, a, a change for the better and now they have not won any games. They have not lost any games. They haven't been through any adversity yet. But I do think it's important for a new staff, especially one with a first-time head coach in Kevin O'Connell, to come in and really just kind of establish right away that, hey, we know what we're doing. We know how to go about this. We are going to connect with you. We're going to hear you out. But we're also going to make sure we get good work done. And so far, in these very early portions of, of their time here, I think it's resonating with guys. You're hearing players talk about just kind of the 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 lightness in the air, which I think is a, is a good thing. Um, I've, I'm just in terms of the way that these this, these coaches are running these workout slash practices. Uh, I think it's it, it it's been very productive, very orderly, very efficient. That way, uh, the way that they are sort of teaching and connecting with their players and bringing in a lot of brand new schemes. And getting players to really understand it, see why they're doing it, and believe in it early, those are all good signs early on for for this period of time when everyone's trying to figure out who's going where, wh who's doing what. And one thing I will add about this, Jim, is that oftentimes when a new regime comes in and is doing things quite differently from the previous regime, even if there was angst or even if there was people who were not exactly shedding tears for the old place and, 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 and going, there still is like some side-eyed looks. There's still some skepticism about, all right, what's this all about? You know, um, this is different. I don't know if I trust this. I, I'm not saying it's universal, but so far it does seem like there is some trust that has been built up. There is some goodwill that's been built up and said, all right, these guys are looking out for the best for us. They believe in us. They're going to put us in good positions. And I, I just think that it's, it's intangible, but I think it's important, you know, early on as they're trying to really establish themselves as coaches, as a staff in this league. I have two potential negatives to introduce to this. Everything you said do. is absolutely, everything you've said is absolutely true. There are also a couple of things that, that bug me a little bit. They're not well, we'll get into it. I do want to reintroduce the show, though. This is the Viking Update show. He's John Krasinski from The Athletic. I'm Jim Suhan from The Star Tribune. Brandon Morton is our producer. Uh, please check out all the shows at TalkNorth.com. Dave Lee of WCCO fame is now with us. Mike Grimm's doing the Go Gopher podcast. We've added Nate Prosser's hockey show. So we now have three hockey shows. We have a great lineup. Cheryl Reeve, everybody.
everybody else, uh, and outdoor content at talknorth.com. Subscribe to your favorite podcast app. That is the easiest way to listen. It is also free. And thanks to our sponsors, Star Bank, TSR Injury Law, and Head Flyer Brewing. Uh, two potential uh, worry points uh, that could shorten honeymoons, or at least could, uh, you know, could just remain in the back of our minds as we analyze these people. Uh, I, I think they've been really good in press conferences. They've been really good with their players. I do think it's a, a better atmosphere than it was, you know, six months ago or whatever. Uh, I also know, you know, I don't even know if this is something we're supposed to talk about, but nobody told me not to, so I'm going to go ahead and do it. <laughs> Kevin O'Connell did call in the beat writers for a, a session to basically say, Hey, you got to stop you know, reporting what plays we're working on at OTAs. And I, that kind of paranoia, I think, is always a, at least a small red flag because it, it, it just it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're splitting Dalvin Cook out wide. It, the other coaches here have split Dalvin Cook out wide. Everybody knows you're going to try to get them the ball in a variety of ways. If they don't know exactly when and how you're going to do it, it, it just it, it just doesn't matter. I, I just can't stand that level of NFL paranoia. And I will also say that, uh, you know, we are a long time away from knowing how Adolfo Mensa's first draft is going to play out. It still does bug me, though, that uh, that they used a high pick on a guy with uh, serious red flags in Ingram. For sure. OK, so, yeah, let's go one by one on that. I agree both with both of those points. First of all, yes, um, the the decision to uh, to try and and put a muzzle on what's reported from practice is is a, is a level of paranoia that's that seems to be you know over the top for me personally the way that I watch practices and the way that I cover this team I'm not as concerned about that because it's not like I write more big picture I write um you know I, I, I'm not going to be breaking down the the completion percentage of Sean Mannion in in seven on seven or things like that but that said for the beat writers who are documenting it every day and who are, you know, really trying to glean as much as they can and offer that intelligence up to fans who are really trying to see how things are going to be different in the Kevin O'Connell era. It's really valuable. And I do think that is a, a challenge. I mean, there's, you know, the, the practices are open for a reason. And um, I do not think that uh, they are going to lose a game in the regular season because Matt LaFleur read Chad Graff or Ben Gessling or Chris Thomason's um, reporting on what happened in, at this mini camp today that they're holding on Wednesday. Uh, I, I don't, I just don't believe that's going to happen. Um, so I, I hope that that kind of loosens over time and maybe Kevin O'Connell grows a little more comfortable in his own skin in that regard and 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 a little more has a little more self-security about who he is and about what the, the Vikings are doing to not worry about that because this happens at every mini camp across the league. Um reporters are reporting on where guys are lining up, what uh, you know players are dropping passes or catching passes. Uh, missed field goals and made field goals, all of these things. And that's just a part of life in the NFL. And I do think that that my hope is, is that that's just a very 
kind of young coach trying, you know, not understanding that part of it and maybe being a little too protective. Um, so, so I agree with you there. Hopefully that loosens up over time and there's some sort of happy medium. Um, honestly, the one, here's the one thing, let's talk about this first and then we'll go to your second point, Jim. Yeah. The, the one part about it that I, I will say I sort of understand Kevin O'Connell and if, if this is part of the argument, which I don't think it is, but this is my view on it is I do sometimes worry about or concern about like putting those sort of practice reps in context. You know, in, in terms of practices are meant for players to screw up so they don't screw up in the games. And like when it does get reported sometimes of, hey, Adam Thielen dropped two passes today. I think that that kind of creates a, a, a little bit of an angst in the fan base or in and and maybe like projects onto the players a little bit of like, oh, man, like this is not going well when in reality uh, you know, there's, you could be adjustment periods. There could be, Hey, maybe he made a mistake in the way he lined up. Maybe it was a bad ball that, that we didn't exactly see. And so I do worry about sometimes the reporting of like this, the tweeting of this happened, this happened, this happened. It doesn't really kind of put it into the full context of what a team is working on and things like that. And we can sometimes draw too many conclusions from one or two things that are, that are tweeted out into practice. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I, I, it's all about context, <clears throat> and, and I just think you know we're in the re reality business, and if the practice is going to be open, and if we're allowed to take notes, or if we're allowed to report what's going on, then I just think you have to understand that you're not. It's like, hey, it's like a game. I mean, you know, totally there, there are there are plays in games where you know X drops a pass, and we could, and the proper context is that the throw was low, and the quarterback was rushed because the center got. I mean. We always need to provide context, and it's not always going to be perfect. And the other thing is that you can't control the quality of reporting from top to bottom. There's going to be somebody out of that practice field doesn't know what they're talking about or is being irresponsible. Uh, but I just think that's where people need to get past the paranoia and just understand this is all in it's all in the mix. It's all part of being the NFL. It's our, all part of being this popular where people want to know every little thing that goes on. Yeah, and and really, yeah. The bottom line is they're not losing games because of something that was tweeted out or reported right. about what happened practice. I just that's just not going to happen. So, um, so in that regard, I totally agree. On the second point, in terms of the drafting, that part I think, um, I think that's still wide open for interpretation and for um, scrutiny and and all of those things. I think that the way that Quasi Adafimensa ran that first draft um the kind of the, the 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 that part of this new regime is i would say not off to the same sort of start that Kevin O'Connell and the coaching staff is off to on the field um i think that the impressions that were made of Ke by Kevin O'Connell and the coaching staff of just like hey this is a professional group they know what they're doing they know how to go about their business uh, we like what we're seeing so far. That's that's been my takeaway from 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 the coaching staff. But from the from the front office side of things, I still think there are a lot of questions about how Quasi ran that draft, about the decisions that were made, about the players that were picked, and maybe it will all work out just wonderfully. And and you know the the harder thing for 
for Quasi Adolfo is that it's going to take probably several years to really evaluate how this draft turned out, both for him and for the Lions and for the Packers and the teams that they traded with. But um, but uh, it, that it, it's harder to be it, you know, kind of an, have an immediate gut feeling on how things are going that way. Whereas it is, I think, a little easier to to feel pretty good about what the coaching staff is doing and just the impression they're making. Again, I think Matt Nagy had a fairly decent first season in Chicago and look what happened there. So things could turn for Kevin O'Connell very quickly as a coach. Um, but yeah, as from the front office perspective, I'm still watching that very warily right now, just given what we know about how that draft weekend went about, you know, some of the decisions that were made about some of the trades and all of those things. And I think that that, is it's 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 you cannot say that everything has gone super smoothly on that side of the equation and i think that if people were being honest they'd say hey we're still looking at this we you know we're still trying to figure out you know ex- get on the same page with Adolfo Mensa and the way that he's running things dan orlovsky gave us reason to talk about kirk cousins so we will but first i want to let you know that big banks aren't the only ones with mobile apps and convenient financial services i'd like to tell you about star bank star bank is an independent community bank in minnesota they're family owned and treat customer relationships as a top priority you're not a customer number at star bank and they have no call center it's just banking how it should be a throwback to the good days mobile app check Convenient services, you got it. Check out StarBank for yourself. For deposits and lending solutions, work with a local community bank that cares. StarBank.net, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. We also can tell you about uh, TSR Injury Law. We did our John Krasinski show at their new offices. They have the top two floors of a beautiful building. Uh, it's just spectacular. And they got there by winning cases, winning your cases. If you're injured, call 612-TSR-TIME. They will not charge you unless they win your case, and they will probably win your case. 612-TSR-TIME. John, tell us a little about Head Flyer Brewing. Yep, Head Flyer Brewing, Northeast Minneapolis on Hennepin Avenue Northeast, just off of 35W North. Uh, great tap room, great beer selection, great merchandise, great swag. Uh, just a great vibe overall. It, it, the weather's turning really nicely here. Go in, get yourself a crunch time, perfect summer beer, sit on their deck, uh, bask in the sun a little bit, tip a few back, or watch uh, a game on the big screen TV in the tap room. Bring your dog, bring your friends, hang out. Uh, there's They also have trivia nights during the week. They have food trucks that come and go. Uh, go and see uh, Neil and, and everyone over at Head Flyer Brewing. Highly recommend it. Been going there for years. Tell him John Krasinski sent you. So Dan Orlovsky, the ESPN analyst and former quarterback uh, who once stepped out of uh, out of bounds for absolutely no reason at uh, at the Metro. Was the Metrodome or ESPN? It had to be the Metrodome. Yeah, it was, it was the Metrodome, yeah. 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 Uh, he put out something that is, you know, it's typical silly season uh, talking fluff, but it, it's interesting. It is kind of fun to break down. And we always love talking about quarterbacks, including the one currently employed by the Minnesota Vikings for a lot of money. Uh, he listed 10 quarterbacks that you win games because of in the mm-hmm. NFL. And then he listed 10 quarterbacks you game, you win games with in the NFL. And obviously what he's trying to do is separate the people who drive success from the people who uh, are part of success. Uh, his top, his 10 quarterbacks that you win games because of, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr, Justin Herbert, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford. Quarterbacks you win games with, according to him. Mac Jones, Tua, 
Baker Mayfield, Ryan Tannehill, Matt Ryan, Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, Jameis Winston, Kyler Murray, Jimmy G. Uh, there And, you know, the first thing I do is exactly what ESPN wants us to do is overreact because, of course, I don't agree with all these names. But what jumps out to you about those lists? Um, You know, like I, I – I, it was hard for me to argue – for Kirk Cousins, you know, in 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 this type of situation. I mean, so far in his career, he's put up really really good numbers and won at a very modest rate. Like he is not I I think like I think to include him on a level with Tua is unfair to Kirk Cousins. Um I think he is head and shoulders above Tua as a passer as just a an overall player. Um, so maybe there should be another tier that he is on compared to someone like that. And even like even Mac Jones, who like I think he had some moments as a rookie and maybe he eventually will de- develop into a really good player. But he's just like he's a game manager right now. Uh, I think Kirk Cousins is more than that. But until Kirk Cousins has kind of the breakthrough and and really wins at a high level and puts a team on his back, I don't I don't think he can be in that upper tier yet. And, um, and, you know, we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but this is, I think this year is a big one for Kirk Cousins in terms of what is the rest of his career going to look like. And if, if he, he absolutely had input in the Kevin O'Connell hire, he, I think has a firm belief and a strong belief that this is the kind of coach and the kind of system that he needs to maximize himself. And now it's going to be up to him to go show it and do it. And if he does, and if he puts this team kind of on his back and, and maybe takes them to 11 wins where people don't expect that and, and they win in the playoffs a little bit, then, then you're going to, he's going to fight against sort of that, that label that has been affixed to him. But he's got to do it at some point here. If it doesn't work out this year, if he's the same quarterback that has been put up really, really good numbers, but it just has not translated to high level winning, then I mean, the pressure is going to be on very quickly for the Vikings to find another solution there. And for Kirk to kind of, you know, move into the twilight of his career. Uh, he's, this can be, the kind of season that cements him as an as a starting quarterback in this league for another four or five years, or the kind of uh, season that can kind of hasten his descent into, um, you know, journeyman status uh, if if it doesn't go well. But uh, I don't, you know, I'm not blaming Orlovsky at all for not putting him in that in that top group because he just hasn't been there yet. I think the two most intriguing names in the first group are. Uh, Matthew Stafford and Derek Carr. I don't think Derek Carr is one enough to be placed on the same plane as quarterbacks who obviously elevate their franchises. And Matthew Stafford, uh, he just won a Super Bowl, so I understand putting him in their first 10. But Matthew Stafford in Detroit was kind of proof that he couldn't just elevate a franchise all by himself and he needed a ton of help to win. So I, I'm not sure about him either. It's also fascinating to see Cousins right next to Prescott, who's been incredibly productive, but just hasn't broken through the postseason. And, you know, Kyler Murray, who probably should be a franchise quarterback, but didn't play like one at the end of the last year. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I heard, I can't remember who it might've been Nick, Wright. It might've been, 
somebody else, but there there was someone that I was listening to and maybe maybe even been Bill Simmons, but um, but the point was made of with Dak Prescott. It's just like you know, Dak is Kirk Cousins with a star on his helmet. Um, and and I don't necessarily disagree with that. I mean, in terms of the production, it's been there, but when it comes to the winning. It, it, it hasn't. And I think that, you know, I think Dak has had some really good rosters around him. And, and so um, I, you know, I think that those two are, are pretty comparable right now. And I think that Dak some sooner or later has to win a game or two in the playoffs. And, and he just hasn't done that. Some of it's been injury. Um, some of it's been coaching, uh, but sooner or later, you know, if you're the quarterback, you got to get it done. And I think that's the same with with Kirk Cousins with Kyler Murray I agree with you like I I mean I think that he has the the ability to be in that top tier very easily he's just got to stay healthy enough to do it uh but I love Kyler Murray as a as a player when he is healthy cuz I think he's devastating but he just uh it seems like sometimes he hits the wall and he did last year in the season when he, his body takes a beating for the way the way that he plays and and kind of how small that he is um with Stafford, I am sort of I give him a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt because it's one thing to not succeed if you're Kirk Cousins and you you've been on the Vikings and you have talent around you and it's a fairly well-run organization and all those things. It's another thing to be on the Detroit Lions, <laughs> you know, like uh, I I just. I, it, I have a hard time evaluating exactly who he is as a player because I just think that the lions forever were so dysfunctional um, and so toxic that I, I do think that, that I have to give him points for that. But I also, am not going to say because he went to just the absolutely stacked Rams roster that he's all of a sudden a top five quarterback in the league because he won a super bowl. I think he's somewhere in between there. Um, but I do think I would I would still have him in the top tier. But yes, definitely a cut below Brady, Rogers, um, you know, Mahomes, uh, you know, um, Josh Allen, Josh Burrow, Allen, like and that, yeah. and even I think uh, the Chargers. Uh, what's his name? Herbert, um, Justin Herbert. Herbert. Yep. Yeah, like I, all of those guys. Like I'd still put Stafford below those guys. I'd probably even put him below Joe Burrow um, at this point because yep. I think Burrow did more. Um, with uh with what he had then with Stafford but um when you're coming from Detroit that is a pretty steep curve to be grading on because uh that that place has been a mess for really the entirety of of Stafford's career there two more viking notes to get to once again we want to let you know that the best way to listen to this show or the network subscribe to your favorite podcast app it's free it's easy. You can always go to talknorth.com, see all the shows and all the archives of the shows. Uh, thanks to our sales executive, Karen Cleary. She can be reached at K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at talknorth.com. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. And thanks again to Starbank, TSR Injury Law, and Head Flyer Brewing. Uh, Jeff Gladney, uh, speeding yeah. about 2.30 in the morning, uh, clips a car in front of him, uh, ends up running, you know, the car and his vehicle he's in ends up running into a a post, uh, he dies, uh, tragic. Uh, and man, I, I mean, I don't, I never really know exactly how to put deaths like this in any kind of context. I just want to say this is a, whatever you thought of him, whatever he did, this is a tragic way for a young man's life to end. 
Yeah, it's truly awful. Um, you know, I there. I don't know that there's anything eloquent to, to, to say to it other than, the, yeah, I, I feel terrible. I mean, he did, he got shown the door here. Um, and after the, the legal situation that he got involved in, I believe he was, was it, he was, it found not guilty or yes or yes he was found not guilty of that so i think we have to mention that jim in terms yep. of you know how we evaluate you know who he was and 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 everything that goes i mean we know that those cases are sometimes very hard to prove and that um you know just because you know either your know, charges are dropped or things are, are happen that doesn't necessarily you know exonerate you but he's found not guilty in a court of law and so that i think means something and I do think that if you in in just following some of the reaction to uh, to his death and to some of the you know Jalen Rager from Philadelphia is very close to him and obviously very broken up. Um, but they, I, I think that they were hoping that Gladney was trying to sort of st- steady himself and put put things back together after how things ended so poorly here. And um, and so I don't know. Um, it's just, yeah, it, it's just incredibly sad that that kind of thing happens. And I'm sure maybe we'll find out more about the details on exactly how the the whole accident went down and if alcohol or anything were involved or a, anything like that. But just, uh, you know, it's just a really, really sad situation and wishing the best for his family and, and his loved ones who are, I'm sure, missing him like crazy right now. And uh, let's make the awkward transition from the tragic to <clears throat> the not tragic. Uh, this is Garrett Bradbury's best week in Minnesota, I believe, because Akeem Hicks has left the division. <laughs> yes, thank God. Let's let's uh, do a little dance. And uh, yeah, I, I would imagine that maybe Bradbury threw an extra steak on the grill uh, over Memorial Day when he heard that because, uh, boy, to get that guy out of the division and that's one thing you look at. I don't know that I really know what Chicago's doing right now. Uh, I know that I no Hakeem Hicks Hicks has not been as productive as he was maybe a couple of years ago of working through some injuries and things, but still a great player um, and and absolutely just wrecked Bradbury and, and the Vikings interior offensive line every time the Bears faced him. So what exactly the plan is there for Pout Poles, who was the one of the other – um, guys that the the Vikings really looked hard at um, when they were looking at their uh, their, their filling their GM vacancy. That one's going to take some time, man. Because I'm I'm scratching my head looking and seeing. I, I I think like I think you can make an argument that Detroit is leapfrogging them um, in in the division possibly, and, and with, with just the way that they're running things and putting that team together versus what we've seen in Chicago, it's uh it's not making a whole lot of sense right now. Uh, boy, you were right about that. And we'll talk more about the division and what the Lions and the Bears are doing in future episodes. Once again, thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com. Uh, check out the website, check out all the other shows, and we'll talk to you next week.